If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. If your toddler has been diagnosed with autism or is waiting for a diagnosis, you're going to want to pay attention for the next 60 seconds. Happy Ladders is parent-led early autism therapy that empowers you, the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited-time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad podcast. I want to thank you all uh, for taking the time to tune in again today. I do appreciate that. I always appreciate that. But I know there's a lot going on right now, and uh, and, I, and I hope that as you're listening to this, everyone in your world, your friends, your family, uh, everyone that you care about is safe and healthy. My guest today is Matthew Boulay. He's a PhD as well as the founder and former CEO of the National Summer Learning Association and the author of the book, When Schools Are Closed, A Guide for Parents to Discover the Extraordinary Power of Summer Learning in the Era of COVID-19. All right, so Matthew and I have a conversation about how uh, COVID-19 has impacted our kids' education. Um, It's impacted our educational system in countless ways right now. You know, schools have been closed. Uh, There's been a, there's a move towards remote learning. That's a lot of changes for a lot of different people. Uh, especially when these kids are profoundly impacted by change. And uh, we have a very interesting conversation about things that we can do to help sort of sort of bridge those gaps. And uh, especially during the summer when we have a lot of dead time, um, some things that we can do to help keep our kids engaged, uh, excited about learning and help sort of prevent uh, some of that um, like that summer regression where, where you sort of lose some of what you learned in the previous school year. So it's sort of a unique situation that we're all dealing with right now. And, uh, you know, Matthew has a lot of experience and this is a very cool conversation about, you know, how to help our kids navigate this new educational environment. So I'll be right back with Matthew in just a few minutes. Uh, I got to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Thanks. 
And we're back. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, we have uh, Matthew uh, Boulay. He's a PhD. Uh, he's here today to talk to us about uh, helping keep our kids engaged in summer learning. And uh, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know like life is crazy for everybody, uh, but I'm very interested in in learning more ab- about what you're doing because education and COVID-19 seem to be something that are hugely problematic when you put them together. <laughs> So, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, you, thank you. Glad glad to be here. Can you uh, just take a minute and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do and your background? Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, professionally, I um, about 25 years ago started this nonprofit, uh, which grew into the National Summer Learning Association. So, um, you know, we're focused like a laser beam on, on helping kids during the summer months. Um, and, and, and then personally, I'm also, you know, uh, married and, and the father of, of two daughters, a 17 year old and a 14 year old. So, you know, try to come at this from both, uh, a, a research and evidence based angle, but also, you know, the, the lived experience of, of like everyone out there struggling day by day to, to figure out how to, how to survive and make the most of, of this extraordinary period. How have um, how have you and your family been impacted by COVID nineteen? Well, you know, I I I think it's not easy, and I think that's important to say out loud, right? Um, my fourteen year old celebrated a, a a pandemic birthday. Um, you know, they've been out of school since the middle of March, and school of. Uh, our schools here were really slow, um, you know, to, to figure out a, a way forward. It took about four weeks before there was any real connection uh, between schools and, and students. Uh, you know, and then on top of that, you, you know, uh, all of the other pieces beyond education. You know, my parents are older. I'm caregiver for them and, and worried about, you know, kind of how do you keep your, your kids engaged and your parents uh, healthy? How do you continue to, uh, you know, have a job and work from home uh, while the kids are also at home? Um, you know, so it's, we're lucky. We're very fortunate. Uh, both of us, my wife and I are still employed. Um, we don't want for material uh, needs. Mm-hmm. And I know that is not the case for lots of folks who are really struggling, you know, economically. So, so I tell my daughters, this is the time for us to count our blessings, uh, recognize some of the challenges, but, but recognize also that, that, that we're very fortunate and to keep that in mind. Have you, how have your kids adjusted to transitioning from going to school every day to um, whatever version of education they decided to kind of push in your direction? Yeah, it you know the, they're two different kids. I mean, the 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 seventeen year old is uh, really an extrovert, really outgoing, um, craves and needs social connections, mm-hmm. um, which is something that school provides. Right. Yeah. One of the things we'll talk about is is the different roles of schooling, and 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 where we are. Whereas we typically focus just on the academic piece. When schools suddenly close, we we tend to appreciate 
suddenly everything else that schools do. One of the things they do is is just help help keep our kids connected to their classmates and to other loving, caring adults in in their teachers. Um, you know, and my younger daughter is is much more of a of an introvert. She's quieter. She's she's it's easier for her to spend the day alone. Uh, you know, and so part of the answer is how are they doing is really just about uh, personality, right? And um, and how they're navigating this totally different world. Um, you know, having said that, um, one of the things we've really come to appreciate is the role that schooling provide the way that schooling provides structure, daily structure to mm. your life. Yes. And I know from my own research in summers past, uh, you know, um, d during a normal summer, you know, kids tend to stay up late. They, we parents become a little looser with restrictions on screen time. Uh, kids sleep in a little bit. Um, and there's a, there's a range. Sometimes that's a little bit and sometimes that's a lot, but, we weren't prepared in March as a family and, and maybe not as a country to, to sort of think about what does structure look like, you know, in March, April, May, yeah. when suddenly there's no schooling. Uh, and so that's been uh, to impose that structure in the absence of schooling has been one of the hardest things you know, in our own household. And, and again, probably around the country. You know, one of the, one of the unique sort of challenges that, um, autism parents face is that, you know, school has that structure that the kids desperately need, but that structure is sometimes different than the structure that they need at home. And so when you are forced to start educating your child at home, you now have disrupted two, uh, of their routines. And then it, it's, it, it's like chaos. And then, <laughs> you know, you're, you're trying to find a new a new path forward, which, which is a lot of trial and error. And, and like your kids, mine are very different from each other. And, uh, my 14 year old was very much an introvert. I think before this happened, because he always wanted to sort of be by himself, whatever. Now he's so tired of, of being by himself and, and just with us, you know, he's, he's craving his, uh, social contact with his friends at school and, uh, you know, the online solution that we found for the fall is, is, is going to be limiting in that department because it's online. Um, and so that's going to be a, that's going to be a big challenge. And in my youngest who was just this social butterfly has become more introverted and, um, they seem to sort of like flipped roles because of this kind of dynamic change that we've all, um, experienced. What, what have you, what what have you kind of found to be one of the biggest challenges that parents are, are currently facing as a result of all of these changes? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's a single one as much as there are three or four, you know, maybe five. I think certainly parents are asking themselves, how do I keep my kid learning, right? Mm -hmm. Academically engaged, reading, practicing math. Um, but, but even before you get to questions of learning, I think many of us are struggling with, you know, how do I keep my kids engaged any which way mm -hmm. if I'm still working, uh, if I'm working from home, yeah. 
uh, how do I keep my kids, um, as we were discussing, connected to some at some level, you know, with friends and 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 this is a real time to sort of appreciate the value of friendships, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's more than just kids having fun, right? It's it's a healthy um, emotional, social emotional development when you're engaged, you know, in a in a friendship. Um, how do for some families certainly? How do you keep your kids fed? Right, mm-hmm. uh, the role of of breakfast and and lunches being provided in schools. Um, so so, and then at the parent level, uh, you know, I think how do we work? Right, how do we how do we stay focused? How do we also, as parents, um, maintain our own mental health amidst all of these challenges, as well as these uh, anxieties. Um, and, and, and of course, one of the real challenges here is that it feels like this is, uh, of an indeterminate length of time. Uh, yeah. Right. It's open-ended. It's open-ended. And, and that makes it hard to sort of say, you know, sometimes during the summer months, we hear parents who are struggling say, all I got to do is buckle down and by the end of August, August is September, coming. <laughs> right? <laughs> and Start we don't really the days. have that salvation necessarily these days with, with this problem. Um, so, you know, I think it's important. I really think it's important to sort of give parents the space to say out loud, this is tough. It's really hard. I'm struggling and, and I know I'm not alone. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and parents, um, uh, being able to say, given how tough it is, I, I need to find a way to keep myself healthy so I can keep my kids healthy. And and that could be daily exercise. It could be yoga. You know, it could be reading a book at the end of the day. Maybe it's starting with, with a book or prayer at the beginning of the day. I mean, whatever it is for each person, but this, is, this really is a time for parents, um, to, 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 to figure out if they haven't already to figure out how on a daily basis just to take care of themselves so that, so that we can take care of our kids. Yeah. Self-care is, uh, just, I mean, for any parent, it's difficult for, for, for special needs parents. Um, that can often be sort of significantly amplified. And, and, and the challenge with that is a lot of people feel guilty about doing things for themselves because they feel they take away from their kids. And, uh, Someone told me right. once that, you know, when it comes to self-care, like you, you have to, or when you're a caregiver in general, you have to be uh, selfish before you can be selfless. And yeah. you, you have to put back into your uh, emotional and physical bank account. Otherwise you can bankrupt yourself and then you're no good to the people that you're worried about uh, yeah. having, to, having to take care of. And, and I've been trying to, to be a positive example for my kids and it's, it's, it's hard for me right now because like I used to get up every morning, I would take the kids to school and I would go walk five miles at the park every morning and I can't do that now. And, and that's one of the ways that I managed, uh, my depression was, was that physical activity that just being out in nature and that routine. And when that went away, uh, it became a lot harder for me. So, so I'm trying to find that balance that you're talking about with, um, taking care yeah. of myself so that I can be the best version of me that I can for my kids. And it's just, it's, 
it's an ongoing challenge and you're right. Like it's open-ended. Like there's no, there, you can't say, okay, guys, let's just only a couple more weeks and then we're going to be back right. to normal. We could be a year, 18 months. I mean, like we're in this until there's a vaccine uh, so that it's safe. And I think, and, and, and that is so hard for adults. Um, it's also hard for kids, right? Yeah. You know, that, that the lack of predictability, you know, for their own lives, um, which are in many ways, you know, kind of smaller world views than adults. Uh, they don't, depending on their age, they don't necessarily have to worry about, you know, the whole country or what's happening in the rest of the world, some of the things that we get inundated with in the news. Um, but, I, but I think the message, you know, how do you talk with uh, other adults about this? How do you talk with your children about this? And I, and I think there's, um, I, I do think it's useful to acknowledge sort of shared fear and shared anxiety um, because then you don't have to keep it bottled in and think it's only you. I'm the only one who's really struggling or terrified or struggling with mm -hmm. exercise and my kids and, you know, d depression. I mean, all of us are struggling. So I find some common bonding in, in letting myself and others acknowledge that. And then I think it's, and then I think, you know, a safe place to start is really around, uh, you know, um, sort of affirmations that that are that you know we'll get through this. It, it mm -hmm. won't be easy. We're gonna survive as a as a family, as a nation, um, and 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 then sort of from that broad affirmation, what are the small things that we can do on a daily basis in our own lives? And and maybe it's a little bit more structure. Maybe it's having you know, a little bit of a routine that starts with a, you know, a healthy breakfast and then a little bit of family exercise, you know, try to get the day off to the right, in the right way. Maybe it's at the other end of the day, trying to have a few moments together as a family before bedtime. Um, but it, but it starts with fairly small steps that you can, you know, you can sort of circle back on. And I'll tell you one more thing, Rob, you know, a couple of weeks into this school was closed. I went downstairs in my you know, my 14 year old was in her PJs at 11 o'clock having a can of Pringles for breakfast. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and, and that's, that's kind of where we are. I think somebody should write a book, a can of Pringles for breakfast during COVID. Pringles for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> the pandemic was, whether it was COVID-19 or something else, I mean, that was relatively predictable. I think they've been saying for a long time, we're due right. for one yep. and, and we weren't prepared, but just on an individual level, like, I, I had, of all the things that I thought would be challenging in my life, surviving a pandemic with my kids in isolation and, and we're, we're sort of completely reliant on everybody else because like we can't leave the house. So I have to have things delivered and I'm so grateful that right. we have some amazing uh, people that are, that are out there doing that. Yeah. Um, but, but just, you know, should, should I allow my, my 14 year old to sleep until noon? You know, because he's tired and didn't sleep the night before. I mean, I, I right. one of the things that I, I want to do is get them onto some kind of routine so that we don't get lost in this sort of sea of uh, monotonous yeah. distress that, you know, that, that this whole thing causes and, and try and, you know, get up every morning and get dressed and, right. and, and have like a, like a process 
to get through the yeah. day so that it, so that it, I, I don't, I guess I sort of feel like I don't want to normalize this. Right. If, if, if that makes sense. And I, I want yeah. them to be able to, we have to still function. Like I still have to work. Like I have my kids cooperating right now. Uh, and I think that like the most I ever get, it's, it's like an hour. So I schedule these things at the time when they, when I know they're going to watch like some cartoons or something and right. I, and I have a relative amount of peace and quiet. Yeah. Um, but even that's frustrating because like you yeah. can't, they're usually at school when I'm working and I've been working from home for about 10 years now. And right. so when they're home and I'm home, they expect that I'm devoting my attention yeah. to them. And, and it's just this, it's all these things that I had never really thought about or, or tried to, uh, to plan out. And then we just got hit with it. Right. And, and it is, it's overwhelming, you know, and I know a lot of parents are, are in the same place. Yeah, it, it is overwhelming. And I, and I think, you know, I think intentionality around planning is really important and, um, communications with your child around planning. And as part of planning, you know, some routine and structure, as you suggested. So take each of those three in turn, you know, intentionality, um, you know, really is the recognition that, um, that in the absence of schooling, we as parents, uh, hopefully in partnership with our kids, but, but we need to create that plan. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and it shouldn't be, it doesn't have to be punitive, uh, right. The best plans are ones that your kids are going to buy into, uh, you know, so there's uh, things that uh, they, uh, you know, they enjoy and, and think are fun and see as, you know, special time with you or a reward. Uh, you know, sometimes for some kids, it's like cooking together for other kids. It's, you know, uh, you buy them a special treat to, to eat. For you know, for others, it's it's just sitting with them and having a book, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Read together, or even watch TV together, but spending some time to, together. So there's some intentionality around the planning, uh, and then there's intentionality and purpose around communication. And I and I think it's important to approach it. And this always depends on the age, you know, and, and sort of where your kids are. But but as much as possible. Uh, you know, sort of explaining your thinking, mm -hmm. um, trying to um, give them a chance to have some input. So mm -hmm. it's it's really as much as possible child driven. Um, you know, understanding where their interests are and trying to respond to them. Um, and then you know, and then thirdly, part of this is about structure. And the way we've done it in our own house is kind of two part. One is there's one structure and routine that's expected Monday through Friday, you know, and something else for the weekends. Mm -hmm. So, so you still have that sort of, you know, it's nice to have a weekend kind of, uh, you know, reprieve. Um, but the second part is on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, it is, it's a series of activities and chores and things we're asking them to do. Um, then followed by a lot of free time. Mm -hmm. Right. So you sort of, you know, and this is imperfect, but the general idea is sort of let's together get things done that we need to get done first. And then let's have free time, you know, afterwards. And so that that functions as a, a little bit as a, you know, as an afternoon reward. And again, every family is different. Every kid is different. 
Um, but having some sort of structure, one of the things it does is, is, is convey expectations to the child and a sense of routine and familiarity, which is often comforting, right? Yeah, it's rather a safety. Than, yeah, exactly. Right. So rather than sort of a day that's unknown, where at any point the parent's going to say, do this, do that, you know, they, they can have some predictability and, and that's comforting for kids. That's, I like that. One of the things that I did um, to approach this whole pandemic with my kids was I wanted to find not a fun way, but a way of, of um, instilling the severity of the situation without instilling undue fear. And yeah. and so I, I have worked out with the kids that we sort of treat it like a zombie apocalypse because we know that's <laughs> not real. But right. if we were surviving a, a zombie apocalypse, everybody would have a role to play. We have yeah. supplies that we want to make sure that we have inventory of. Uh, we, we, you know, have to take care of our pets. We have to make sure that we meal plan and, yep. uh, someone has to be responsible for making sure there's soap or hand sanitizer available. Or, you know what I mean? So, yep. so everybody has a, a role in our survival throughout this process and it, and it sort of gives them some ownership, I think. And it's, and they understand yeah. that it's a pandemic and, and whatever, but this was just sort of a way to kind of approach it. Yeah. where it was a little bit less scary and it was something that they were familiar with. Like right. they've seen, you know, uh, zombie apocalypse stuff is, I mean, it's everywhere and yep. they know how to survive that. So let's just apply that to this. And it's sort of similar, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyhow, well, I, I, I like that, Rob. I mean, you've given them a framework that is familiar and even kind of fun, mm -hmm. you know, that, uh, that allows them to understand an external event that is unfamiliar, unknown, and scary. Right? Yeah. So you have found a framework that they can, that sort they of process can work it. through, process it, and that there are roles in it, right? Yeah. They can see themselves. Let's let's defeat the zombies, right? Let's mm -hmm. let's wear your mask do, and right. Let's do know. these things to win, right? Yeah. And that's so you you've also given them some real, um, you know, some agency, some a role to play, and. And that's important that instead of one of the things that quarantine does in the isolation, it makes us feel powerless, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything is acting upon us. Right. And, and in some sense, you know, in the adult world, that's true, you know, and, and what we want to try to do, and you've done it beautifully with, with, with this framework is to give kids a sense of control and agency and power. If you do these things, you'll you'll be safe right we'll mm -hmm. all be safe and and that's a very powerful thing you you have a role to play is is what that's saying yeah it gives them yeah i feel i felt like it, it kind of rather than just have them sort of drifting through this chaos there's there's yeah. direction and and yeah. they can um they know that we we have to work together to get through this there is no you know we so you know it was just a it was just a a way that I found to make it, to make it work for us. And I know that, um, might not and work again, for everybody, I, I think there's a parallel there with, with what schooling does, you know, which is that every day there's some goal, there's something kids need to do. They might not always like it, you know, it might not be fun. Um, but, but there's, there's a familiar, uh, you know, sense of objectives mm -hmm. in their day. And even if it's a, even if it's just go from period one to period two to period three, right? Yeah. So in the absence of that, 
you know, it's kind of nice for a couple of days, right? You don't have to deal with all of those goals and objectives, but, but long-term, you know, finding a way to replace that is, is an important, you know, and, and, and that's part of that routine and that structure is, is providing what it does is provide some goals and a, and a way for kids to, to, uh, you know, uh, 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 pursue those goals to have their own, um, ability to to sort of shape their own outcome. Yeah, that that's really interesting because it's it's as we're sitting here talking, I'm realizing that like we talked, I think we said we were at 107 days and or 106 days. It's like we've had a 106 day long weekend. You know, we've been <laughs> we've been stuck in yep. that that weekend routine without being able to go to a restaurant or yeah. bowling alley or you know, movie or whatever else yeah. you do on a weekend. So yeah. so we have to sort of force some kind of something during the weekday to, to help us have that sort of keep us sort of grounded. That's yeah. a, that's and, a really good point. I mean, it's a good analogy. You know, my kids at first, like many kids, I presume were sort of thrilled that school was closed. Right. And um, I mean, they were, they were aware of the reasons and they weren't celebrating people getting sick, but but to not have school is like a 17-year-old's dream come true, right? <laughs> but but then after a while, you know, it's kind of like, well, now what, right? And and that, again, it, there's an analogy there with, with what we've seen over summers, right? And, you know, the first few weeks of summer are great. And, and then towards the end of the year, end of the school, uh, sorry, end of the summer, you know, it's not uncommon to sort of be bored and wait for school to begin again. And, and so there's that that sort of cyclical pattern as you, as you work through this. Though I wanted to just circle back to the academics for one minute, because one of the things I often say, um, you know, is that parents are not responsible for teaching their children trigonometry or advanced chemistry, you know, over the summer months. And we, we, while it is important to keep your kids learning in some fashion, you know, we do not have to play the role of, of a school or Mm -hmm. of a teacher. And, and so to not be overwhelmed by, you know, kind of expectations of, of just exactly how um, sophisticated, you know, your, your teaching or coaching or your kids needs to be. It's sufficient to do the best you can, given your own interest level and resources, mm-hmm. um, you know, without having to try to replicate, you know, what a school day would have looked like. And, and I think that's, what a lot of parents are struggling with too is they had to become the teacher who teaches trigonometry right. and, yeah. and the people like would just didn't know what to do. I mean, yeah. like I forgot most of that stuff when I graduated high school or, you know, finished college or whatever. I mean, like absolutely trying to, like I can help with homework, but actually teaching those skills is, is not something that I am, uh, you know, gifted. I'm with you. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. And, and who is, I mean, you know, I, uh, it, I mean, my daughter was taking trigonometry and chemistry, and I I'm at a loss. Luckily, my wife has some better skills there. Um, and you know, I, I think then it's a question of how do you support your child uh, in a in an area that you don't know anything about, right? Well, like and, even like Common Core math now, basic right? math doesn't even make sense, and, right? Yeah, yeah. So and so then, how do you support them, right? And you're trying basically connect them to resources. So there's a ton of online, you know, Q and A's and tutorials. The Khan Academy, 
has really, you know, K-H-A-N mm -hmm. is free, high quality. It has activities and, and lessons on everything. Um, encouraging, we did a lot of this, encouraging our kids to reach out to their teachers and say, hey, you know, can you give me some help here? Text them or email them, um, even call them. Um, you know, so connect your kids to resources if, if it's something you don't have the, 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 the content mastery. And then the second thing is to keep them sort of emotionally healthy, right? Like mm -hmm. don't let their world fall apart because in the middle of a quarantine, they can't answer questions on, you know, advanced chemistry, yeah. right? Let's try to keep things in perspective so that, you know, you don't want them to feel overly frustrated. You don't want them to feel a sense of failure. Um, you know, their life goals are not lost because they can't do, you know, math homework during this quarantine. So it's, it's a lot of loving and reassuring and, you know, the sort of things that parents do from day one when they're, when their infant, you know, is, is crying in their arms. It's, it's a different, different approach, but it's the same goal. And, and it's probably, it's important for them to know too, that they're not the only ones experiencing this. Like right. I was thinking for the longest time, like, you know, all the other parents at my kid's school, they're all having no problems with their homework. The kids are just doing their homework <laughs> without a problem. And so I put a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. And then I realized like that there's just, that's just no way that's possible. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's I mean, struggling. Every, the actress, uh, Drew Barrymore, uh, a couple of weeks into this, um, you know, had a really funny interview and, and, and you think of, uh, an acclaimed Hollywood act, actress, right? Mm -hmm. And the resources that she has, I don't know much about Drew Barrymore's life, but I presume she has a, a ton of money yeah. and like nannies and, you know, a house in Beverly Hills. I don't know, but that's what I envisioned. And she said, every day since school is closed, I cry, right? I've got my kids at home <laughs> and I'm crying. And I think in a sense, it gives, gives the rest of us, you know, like this is hard. This for is everybody. hard for everybody. Let's not pretend it's not. You're not the only one struggling. We're all searching for answers. Um, and, and, and so, honestly, Rob, I think shows like this are really important. Talking and listening to people. And I think trying, you know, to sort of manage expectations. Don't treat trigonometry. Just keep your kid practicing a little bit, right? And, yeah. And, and keep them, you know, uh, healthy emotionally and engaged and um, and, and knowing that it, at some level, we're all going to get through this. Yeah. And they'll, we'll, we'll, they'll, they'll have to be a way to put everything back together for everybody yep. because right. they're not the only person who's struggling and, and everybody is. So, so there's going to have to be a, a communal kind of process that takes place. Like they cut out state testing in Ohio, you know, so, so that there wasn't that added stress. And so yep. rather than try and make up for it, we just cut it out and just wipe the board for this time. And, and, uh, so, so I'm sure there's going to have to be adaptations yeah. like that. There'll, there'll be the, the whole world, you know, is, is going to, is going to change. Um, you know, we, we already got a, a, a note, an email from our kids school district that they don't know what next school year is going to look like yet, mm -hmm. but they are certain it won't look like normal school. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's going to be something different. You know, maybe kids are going every other day. Maybe in there in pods. Maybe there's like a morning session, afternoon session. They don't know yet, but they know it's not going to be 
the same. The so, same. Uh, you know, I've tried to preview that with, with our kids. Um, the, the other point about staying strong is that this quarantine uh, and, and this pandemic is not the first challenge any of us have faced in our lives, right? right. I, I, I mean, just by living, um, we've all faced and overcome and struggled with, you know, some set of challenges. That's just part of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think I think using those as examples for our children is really important, right? That mm -hmm. that even this feels bigger and and badder than anything. You know, we've all had real struggles and there's there's a way that you as a parent uh, or you as a person overcame that. And I think I think I think helping your kids understand that, you know, is really is really important because there's a lesson there, which is, you know, um, personally, this is what I draw from that experience. This is how I can explain it to you, but also that all of us are able to get through, you know, tough times. All right. Well, let's, uh, I want to talk about your book, uh, yeah. when schools are closed, because right. I think that is, I mean, we need all the help that we can get at this point to try and navigate this. Could you uh, talk a little bit about the book and, and sort of what you hope to uh, people to take away from that? Yeah, you know, it, it, it really is, you know, for, for 25 years now, I've worked in, in, in and around the field of summer learning. And, and the good news is that there's a, there's a huge amount of research on, on how kids experience the summer months. And what I mean most particularly by the summer months is when schools are closed, right? What happens in their lives uh, when schools are closed, and um, and and how can we um, build programs and interventions that are most successful? Um, you know, so so it, it, I I didn't start writing this book till honestly till April first when I realized how much of a struggle, how many schools were going to close suddenly and how much of a struggle this would be, you know? So it's really kind of a, a how to for parents. Um, there, there's kind of two parts to the book. One is broad framing and a series of principles, uh, you know, to sort of think about, help you think about um, how to support your kids during this time. And then the second part of the book is a, is a, is very, specific hands-on activities. I call them digital learning kits, but, but a series of activities that you can use, you know, in your home, as long as you have a, a, a digital connection. What do you hope that, that parents can uh, sort of take away from this? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is similar to the conversation we've had. One is that there's a path forward. Mm -hmm. um, it's not easy, but there's a path forward. And that is, is kind of, uh, you know, I think best thought of in two parts. Uh, one is take a little bit of time. When I talked about the intentionality of planning, take a little bit of time and these principles will help you think about it to understand kind of the big picture. How do you want to frame in your own mind and in your kids' minds what is happening and, and what are your expectations? Mm -hmm. Um and once you have that framing, you can begin to plan and, and create that structure. And then the second really is, okay, I got, I got a big picture plan now. How do I actually fill the time? How do we have some learning activities? And that's what these 
online digital learning activities are. It's not meant to be a textbook or a series of workbooks. I mean, I, I really think the way kids learn best is when they're engaged in something that interests them. And they often jump from A, not A to B, but A to L, mm -hmm. you know, to Z back to B. And, and that's the perfect, it's a beautiful way to learn over the summer months. You're not, I mean, one way to think about learning during this period is that you're not confined to a textbook or a test or a set of grades, right? In a sense, we've been liberated from sort of the 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 expectations of formal schooling mm -hmm. and this can just be all about what what interests kids and how they learn best and what they want to learn so child-centered child-driven you know as much as possible yeah that's uh that, that's one of the things that we talked about sort of before the show that i'm i'm struggling with um right now and i, and I wrote down a question that i wanted to ask you because i think you're the perfect person to ask um, are you, do you, what, what are your feelings about year round school? Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, so we're asked this a lot and, and what I have always said is, you know, first I think it should be a local decision mm -hmm. and should respond to what communities want and feel that they, they need. Um, but secondly, I'm not a big fan of, you know, what, what I think of as more of the same. I think, and I'm a former teacher, my kids are in public school. I mean, I believe very strongly in supporting public school. But I also think that all of us, uh, meaning children, parents, and teachers and educators, need a break from, from that one way of learning. Mm -hmm. um, so what I really want is kind of like every child in normal years to have the most extraordinary summer learning opportunities. So really, instead of investing in year-round schooling, which is expensive, invest in you know, just fantastic summer learning programs where kids are active, they have a choice of activities, they have a choice of different types of programs, it's affordable, right? It's close to home, it's mm -hmm. accessible. I mean, that's sort of the, the dream, the vision. Um, because I think that formal schooling serves kind of a particular need for society, but it's not the only way or the only kind of learning that kids should engage in. And I, and, and then the last thing I'll say is I, is just to sort of pause there. I recognize that there is a diversity of opinion. And if a community said, or, or some parents said, Hey, we believe in year round schooling, it's best for our kids, that consistent structure, you know, year round month after month matters then then go for it you know go for it i, I just don't know that that it's a one size fits all solution you know f for everybody yeah i guess i guess what i was i guess well, i should have phrased the question a little bit better cuz um do you feel that well with summer learn with year round school i think part of the idea of that was to keep the kids engaged during the summer and yeah. try and prevent yeah. that that uh that gap where they tend to sort of lose some of what they Absolutely. have learned and then you have to sort of start over again during the right. school year and so what you're saying is uh, you know like a, a good summer learning program yeah. could could fill that gap and, yeah. and help That's, them to, to move forward in the, in the upcoming school year 
Yeah, absolutely. So to differentiate between year-round schooling and year year-round learning, yeah. I think of schooling as sort of formal, you know, uh, formal elementary, middle, high school. Mm-hmm. But year-round learning, absolutely. I mean, we know that summer learning loss is real and it's and it's significant. And we know that, you know, the youngest youngest kids experience the most loss right in those early formative grades k123 mm-hmm. and and that that setback is 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 a is a real significant drag on their achievement particularly if if they experience summer learning loss you know summer after summer after summer so so we know summer learning loss is real to your point about year round learning absolutely but i but i think the summer months are special time you know, really an opportunity at the program level to innovate, Mm -hmm. um, to do Lego robotics or, or, you know, learn photography, learn videos, uh, learn how to make, make videos or films. I mean, all of those things, science camp, all of those things that are actually really extraordinary learning opportunities, but hard to fit into the, into the, into the traditional school day. Mm -hmm. Um, not something that, teachers necessarily are trained on right all of those things are 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 really um we have an opportunity over the summer now this summer is a little hard because so many programs and camps themselves are closed right so it it, like we've been talking so much falls on the parents but even so there's a lot of online In, in the book i have all sorts of activities on like how to um you know how to engage in science experiments at home that are safe you know free and safe how to how to have your kids film their own cooking show it turns out americans um like to watch cooking shows more than we like to cook yeah yeah (laughs) you know so um but uh, but if you think about filming a cooking show in elementary or middle or even a high schooler you know what are you doing well you're you're cooking and that's a healthy thing Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if you're cooking cake, it's probably going to be a healthier cake than what you buy in the store. Right. So home cooking is generally healthy. Um, you're uh, also teaching the kids if it's if they're really going to play the role of like a host, you know, in, a, in their own cooking show. Right. Um, uh, how do you, um, you know, give easily understood directions to your audience on how to follow a recipe and, and on the steps mm-hmm. in, involved and on the details that matter, you know, like check it after 45 minutes so you don't burn, burn the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's some uh, skills there that are really important, but it doesn't feel like work. Right. right. And, and it's fun, you know, and then if you really get into the video part of it, there's online editing software that's free. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, kids could, um, create, you know, a, a, a nicely packaged finished product. I mean, there's again, some, some real interesting skills there. Maybe that takes them to, you know, cuisine of, of the middle East or Latin America, right. Mm-hmm. It gives them an excuse. Let's say they want to do Guatemalan street tacos, gives them an excuse to read about, you know, another culture, country and culture and yeah. language. That's kind of the idea behind the book. You jump, you know, from from activity to activity. Um, they're all meant to be fun, 
um, and they're meant in their own way to prevent this summer learning loss and keep kids engaged. So, so it's sort of like breadcrumbs, right? Like, <laughs> like you're yep. like you're, um, I, I like that. I'm trying to think of a way to say it. it it's, it's sort of like, it, it's not necessarily like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It could be A sparks an interest in, in uh, T and then yep. they can explore that. And then that maybe okay. lead them back to A to learn a little bit more and then that bounces them to somewhere Absolutely. else. And so they, and I, and I, and I, sorry to interrupt Rob, but I, I'm excited by what you said, because I think that really is how kids learn. I mean, we know that that's how people surf the internet, mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, and, and I think that's a reflection of how, when we're unfettered, we kind of follow our own, our interests. And, um, and so the, the activities I actually ordered in that way. And, and at the end of each one, I have one more fun but random thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, it just takes you totally someplace else. The beauty of this time, these summer months, is that we don't have to do textbook learning, right? And textbooks are, are by their nature and for a reason, very sequential. You know, chapter one is the foundation for chapter two, which leads to chapter three and so on. Mm -hmm. It's linear and sequential. Um, but that's not necessary during the summer, right? Jump around, explore interests, travel the world virtually. Um, you know, that, that I think is actually fun for kids. It's how their minds work. It also is easier for parents to um, enforce or, or introduce, right? You don't have to say, sit here until you finish this exercise, right? You can say, you know, find three things here that interest you. I don't care three things anywhere in the universe, right. but find three things and, you know, and they'll find a video or a story or something that, that is kind of wild. And they'll kind of be like, is this really learning? Did mom and dad, you know, did, did, did they, they lose their minds? Yeah. <laughs> and that's great. Then you've won if they're engaged and they don't, they don't feel like it's a chore. That's a good thing. You know, it's interesting because I, I, I it's sort of like, um, you know, you can go to school, you know, grade school, high school, college, whatever. And, and maybe you can't remember what you learned in first grade, but you can remember the lyrics to a song yeah. that you learned in the first grade yeah. because it's, yeah. it's sort of a non-traditional, it's the way that you sort of naturally file things away and then you can, yeah. you can recall it. And, and, and I like the idea of not having to, um, sort of allowing things to be sort of fragmented in a way that, that, that makes better connections instead of everything yeah. being in a line. Sometimes the quickest way from, you know, point A to point B is to go from A to C to B or because yeah. of the way that the, the way that we learn and the skills that can be taught or, or maybe necessary to better understand B might be something they learn down the road that they can just naturally gravitate to first and then gravitate back. And, and yeah. so I, I like that idea. Um, and we know, you know, we know that, you know, the best learning takes place when the learner is engaged and motivated. And, mm -hmm. and, and as an adult, there are all sorts of reasons to be motivated. Maybe you, you know, you complete a professional learning certificate because you get a raise at, at, at work or you need a degree, uh, you know, to get a promotion. Mm -hmm. um, but, but that's kind of externally imposed right? What, what you, just like grades, right? It's a reward or a punishment for a job well done. What you're really trying to get to is this kind of nirvana where 
where kids are 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 engaged in a learning activity because it interests them, right? And not because they're forced. A lot of times, kids don't. All of us, I think, are surprised by what interests them, right? And and, and if it's presented in a fun way, if it's made relevant in some way, you can find interest in a whole bunch of different areas, um, you know. And and again, so part of part of what we want to do this summer, every summer is just expose your kids to lots of things. And if at the end of the day, they're like, you know, number one, two, and three were kind of boring to me, but number four was cool. I want to do number four. You know, Mm -hmm. then you found something. Don't worry about one, two, and three that didn't interest them. Go deep with number four that that they love. My oldest, um, Gavin, he's he's 20. And he's, like I said before, he's cognitively, he's he's significantly delayed. He came up to me yesterday, and I just wrote about this because I was just blown away. He decided that he is going to focus his life on proving the fact that there are parallel universes. <laughs> and, Good for and, him. and I'm like, like, where did that come from? It was totally yeah. random. But, you know, I mean, if that's something that he's interested in, not saying that he's going to do it professionally, but but that could take right. him into physics and theoretical physics. And, and maybe he yep. finds the way that he thinks, the way that autistic kids think, period, is, is so unique. And... Yep. And it's it, it just like I'm I'm blown away by by the way that they uh, they come up with things and some of the random stuff that they come up with like that's, that and you know encourage that's a it. Beautiful thing. Yeah, right? I mean that's a beautiful thing. Get them some books and yeah. uh, maybe some um, you know some some documentary videos or you know something that helps yeah. him just to explore that. Maybe he decides that's not what he wants to do, and he but he but he finds something else along the way, like yeah. breadcrumbs, and you just sort of find your path. Uh, naturally rather than than being forced to do things in a certain way and it, it, it's it's harder to find what you want to do or what you're meant to do if you uh, are forced to do things a certain way yeah you know when, when you can kind of learn your own way and, and bounce around and whatever you know maybe that's it's a great it's a great example right because if it sounds like it, you know if you set a learning goal for him you know this week or tomorrow it wouldn't be, you know, <laughs> explore parallel universes, yeah. right? This comes from him. And yet, as you said, it can lead in a thousand different directions. Yeah. And it probably will. And 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 that's the beauty of it, because it's something that, you know, something that interests him. It sparks I mean, a connection that builds up yeah. something and it sparks another connection. And it's important for him to keep his his brain active because he, right. he doesn't retain things as well as he used to. And and so yeah. I just I just thought that was such a cool thing, and it just reminded me of what you were. I love it, and I wish I, I and I wish I could point you. I mean, we could we could do some online research together. There must be a thousand, you know, short videos at all different levels around parallel universes, parallel universes and, yeah. and the cosmologists who discover them and study them. And but it's a it's a it, it, if you can find that that spark in your kid and and sometimes the sparks change day to day mm-hmm. you know tomorrow he's like i don't want to do parallel universes i want to do you know humpback whales and you're like, all right let's go with humpback whales that's you know? easy enough <laughs> <laughs> and it changes and that's yeah. that's part of the beauty of it yeah that's very cool how can um how can people find you uh yep uh, so um i'm at um uh, the, the organization is National Summer Learning Association. Mm-hmm. The website is summerlearning.org. My email address is just first initial, last name. So 
M for Matthew, mboulet at summerlearning.org. And then the book is available. Uh, it's an ebook on Amazon. Um, I saw it. And it's on Amazon, right? Okay. Yeah. So I'll have all those. Did you want your email published? Cause I can, yeah, that's it. fine. Okay. Sure. I'd love to talk to people. Um, I will have all those things in the show notes below, uh, Great. and, and a link to your book and, uh, to the website as well as your contact information. Um, if you have any social media stuff that you want me to share, just shoot me an email or something and I'll, I'll make okay, sure to add all that too. I, I really, really appreciate your time. This, this is this a fun is, conversation. This is fascinating. I, I really, um, this is my first recording, pretty much my first recording back since I took like a month and a half off because the kids just wouldn't cooperate. And uh, this is really, really fascinating. And it's, and it's very timely, I think, um, with everything yeah. that's going on. So I, I really appreciate it. I love to, I, I love the conversation, love to talk again, maybe absolutely you know, sort of hear how things go in a couple of weeks. And, See if and, we've and, mastered theoretical physics and <laughs> <laughs> if you're in that parallel universe, <laughs> sounds great. All right. Well, take care, stay safe and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Thanks. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Before we close things out today, I just want to say thank you to Matthew for taking the time to come on the show and talking to us about his book uh, and summer learning and and kind of helping us to, to to sort of better navigate this, this new educational landscape that we have found ourselves in. I, I know it's a challenge for many families out there. Uh, mine is no exception. Uh, in fact, if you follow the podcast or the blog, you know that I've struggled with this whole educational uh, thing in the advent of COVID-19 since this whole thing started. So um, I really do appreciate your time, Matthew. I think you're going to help a lot of people. I hope you guys uh, can can take something away from this that's very positive and uh, that, that sort of helps you to find a direction to go in. Um, it's very important to keep our kids active during the summer. I know it's a lot harder right now because of everything that's going on. Uh, but Matthew has some really good ideas on on how to to keep our kids engaged and excited about learning during the summer months. So be sure to check out his book. I'll have a link to that in the description below, uh, as well as any other relevant uh, links to Matthew as well. So again, thank you, Matthew, for, for your time. I really do appreciate that. As always, you can find me at theautismdad.com. That's where I document my family's journey on a daily basis. Uh, all my social links are at the top of the page. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter. I don't, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the rest of my social media stuff. Uh, Twitter is sort of the big one. And then of course you could send me a message uh, via the blog on my contact page, which is fine. Uh, I try to get back to everyone who takes time to send me a message. So, uh, be patient with me. And if it takes too long, just shoot me a reminder and I'll try to get back to you. So please, uh, remember that you can subscribe to this podcast on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. Uh, I don't have a preference, uh, to which one you have. Uh, I just prefer if you hit that subscribe button, I would really, really appreciate that. And please, if you do appreciate, uh, or, or like the content that I, that I put together, uh, for this podcast, please rate it. Um, it, it really helps to sort of grow things and, uh, helps with rankings and things like that. I put a lot of time and effort into this. So, uh, you know, your, your feedback is, is much appreciated. So thank you guys very much. Please stay safe and I will talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye.
Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross-trains motor movement, visual, auditory, and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strength and connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com, that's K-I-N-U-U dot com, and be sure to use the code theautismdata at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.